Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Ellarika Johnson to talk all about the series P-Valley. And the first thing I was actually interested in is when you were starting the first season in terms of, of character development, I've heard you talk about how writing a diary as, as Autumn and Haley as a character was a really useful tool and, and window into her and even something where every single day you would kind of go in and add a few more details. Um, and so I was really interested in, in coming back into this character in season two, especially since there's so many new new places that you're already getting to explore with this character if that was was a similar tool that you kind of found yourself going back to in any way or or how the process differed with season two because you know this character but it's a very different version of her that you're getting the chance to play to at this point right yeah so so first season I did I wrote this diary um beforehand and then while I was uh doing season one um and it's great because it just helped me learn so many things and it almost felt like uh, you know a tool to go back to to just remember certain moments when I had to do scenes that were in episode two even though we was on episode five you know um, and I think this season the difference was is I started almost like a new chapter in the diary and it was very short and like you said it was I think it was because I I known I know who she is now and I knew what she was about to do and so it, it then became that that tool for me, which was looking back, having something to remind me of where she came from in order to know where she's going. So it was less about adding to the diary and more about using it as something, you know, like an index almost, just to kind of check where I'm at and, and what I'm doing. So it was really helpful. I didn't realise it would do that. I've done it for other characters before and I've never had to go back because I haven't stayed on <clears throat> as long, if it's for a show or... Um, for a movie so I've never really gone back but this is this is really helpful so I've learned something in the process yeah and with a character like this as well was was it quite a challenging character to take on in the first place because you know obviously with everything in the first season so much of this character was about her concealing details and and kind of not revealing her emotions or telling people about her past and you know we got to see little flickers of it through the flashback but it was really this very gradual build throughout the season in terms of the way that we got that information about her as a character um you know and especially bearing in mind that usually you don't have the full scripts up front was yeah. it quite challenging to find a character and to play a character where so much of it was about the undercurrent versus what was on the surface and, and where even the information that you had was a bit more limited to a degree yeah that kind of um keep, keeping that that undercurrent keeping you know everything kind of close to my chest and her chest um that for me is very exciting because it's almost like having a secret not being able to tell it and we had moments on set with you know some of the other cast and, and the other cast we knew things that they didn't know and the way that Katori works is she kind of gives us little bits of information so as much as you know the audience were seeing it as they were watching it in the process of filming I was learning as I was going on going along as well so you know I'd be in episode two and I'd be like oh Katori you know what what happens by episode you know three or four like can you give me something what happens here and she's like mm, you'll see so <laughs> you know that, that I think that part for me was the hardest I'm like a tiny bit of a control freak in the sense that I like to know what's happening I like to know where I start where the middle is and where the end is and I just didn't get that the first season so um so I think that process of learning as I, I went along was was the difficult part but the undercurrent stuff keeping you know this this kind of secret uh past quiet that was just that was just super fun 
And then I also wanted to ask you about some of the initial training that you did in the role in working with Jamaica Craft, who does a lot of the choreography for the whole series. Um, you know, because I thought that was that was a really interesting window into the character in terms of, you know, how does she move on the pole and how does she move as a dancer when she first shows up to the club? Because this isn't something where she comes in with extensive experience. And what does it look like when one of the other girls is teaching her some of the moves and, and she becomes a bit more comfortable and, and as more self-confidence comes to the foreground within herself again. Um, and so how did you work closely with, with someone like Jamaica and figuring out what the specific movement, motion and choreography of, of Autumn as a character was gonna be for the show? Yeah, I think the, the beginning process was the question of what does Autumn look like as a dancer? What kind of moves does she have? Um, where does her movement come from? And it was the same question to me because as everybody was training and kind of, you know, getting to know the ropes, there was only one person who had done dance before really professionally, which is Brandy Evans. Uh, and none of us had done a pole before. So we were all learning. But what was great about my character was that, you know, she's not a dancer straight away. So she's learning. So as much as we <laughs> did the, um, the training beforehand, I could still learn as we went along because it's hard. And so to get all of that information, to get your body right, to get the flexibility that I had when I was, I don't know, five, it seems, because everything is so stiff now. Um, you know, that at least I had the time to kind of do that with And so, you know, those conversations with Jamaica at the beginning were great because you start talking about actual character work that I've done, things I put in that diary, which were, what does she listen to? What's her favorite music, you know? And it turns out she has very good taste. Um, similarly to mine, and you know, it was really, uh, she had this sensual side of her that, you know, she never really got to show and this was, this was her moment. So a lot of it was, let's talk about floor work then, if it's not on the pole and if you're starting out, finding those movements on the ground and then and then getting up on the pole uh and and doing that in what we see as autumn's very you know sensual poetic kind of way um and i enjoyed it because i was finding it when you train and when you're trying to be this person who has this skill you're not finding it you need to have it <laughs> it needs to be there because the show is about to happen whereas i i, I was able to kind of learn as i went along and um jamaica was incredible those were fun some of the funnest moments being with her in the studio and some of the other dancers it was it was the best time and if you haven't tried it please do it's really fun was there quite a lot of training off of the pole in terms of just the the very specific physical strength that you have to have in order to pole dance because it it requires so much kind of like muscle tone and core in order to pull off any of those moves so was there a lot of training that you had to do that wasn't even dance training in order to be able to pull that off um not exactly. And I'd say that because the conditioning, so like pole conditioning, I guess that's a separate part of the training, but it is all to do with the pole. Um, pole conditioning is like, you know, strengthening your core, um, getting upper body strength. Um, but it was all done with incredibly loud music, hills and um, a stopwatch where you're like, let's go. You go around the pole, you go down, you go up and down, you get two minutes to breathe and then you go again. So I guess, yeah, there's conditioning. Um, I, I don't have the strongest core at all, but um, in a couple of weeks, I definitely uh, managed to see some kind of muscle tone in my stomach. So I was really impressed. <laughs> and you were talking there as well about, 
you know, music as a window into character and particularly for a show like this, the music's so prevalent in the way that the stories are told. Was was that kind of the way that you, do you tend to use music quite often for characters in that, in that way? Or was it more involved because of the way that music is so much at the center of the focus of the way that this story is told? Yeah, it was way more involved um, for this project. And that's, you know, that's to do with the culture. Um, the, the, the show is very heavily music based. We've got an artist in there, a Little Murder, um, and, you know, they're constantly writing and in the studio. And so the sound of this show has as much to do, you know, with the characters and the space as, as much as the characters are to do, you know, telling the story. Um, and so that storytelling part is, is huge because we're talking about this is where this person came from. This is the kind of music that comes from this space. And this is how they grew up on this music and, and how they became who they are now. And so with Autumn, her sound is slightly different. Um, you know, it's more sensual and it's more, uh, it, it, it's, it's nice because there's a difference between her and the other girls, you know. Mercedes, the way she moves on the pole is different to Miss Mississippi, is different to Autumn. And then as we move on to season two, it's, you know, it's different to all the other characters. And I think it just helps each and every one of us, <clears throat> sorry, identify who our characters are and where they came from. So it's, 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 it's huge. We love the music on the show. That's every day there's music playing, you know, before, yeah. before set, on set, after set. It's a whole, it's a whole vibe. Yeah. You know, and also in terms of, of her personality and her characteristic traits as well, you know, you're talking there about when it comes to the dance, it's it's more of the sensual <laughs> side with her. And she's also someone who's not the first person to feel a need to say something in the middle of a group of people and to assert herself kind of verbally through dialogue. And mm -hmm. so I was interested in, in kind of how you found a lot of that when you first got the scripts. Was it kind of as much looking at the lines and the spaces between where she was contributing to the conversation and where she was saying something as it was the things that she was saying? Because it also feels like because of that, everything that she does say out loud is, is often very considered in a different way. Oh yeah. I mean, the silence is always so loud though, isn't it? Um, and she had a lot of that last season. At those moments, the looking, the learning, the listening, um, and then playing a, a, a role within a role, you know, in this in this club, being a, a dancer, there was plenty of scenes where she's dancing for these guys who are talking real business. Little do they know there's ears and eyes, you know, listening and watching and learning at the same time. And that's really helpful for, for what we see moving forward in season two. Um, so that silence was very important. I mean, I spent most of the time with my arms crossed and like staring everybody out, <laughs> but it's a big contribution to the space and, and the character and then the journey moving forward. It is. And, and on the flip side as well, you know, there has been that opportunity to look at different sides <laughs> of her personality in new ways so much already just in the first few episodes of season two. And, you know, I, it's really it's quite interesting to see who who is she when she feels challenged? Who is she in, in a space of conflict? Um, and so how did you kind of look at everything that you built in season one and look at scenes like disagreements between her and Mercedes or her and Uncle Clifford? And what's that what's that response from her going to look like when she, you know, does have more self-confidence in the space that she's in she is there in a different power balance with the people around her and, and how is she responding well look, I, I uh, the thing is about when you hide the background of a character so much you know I remember so many of the fans saying who is this person like you know we just want to get some kind of you know 
indication of what she's like. So those moments where there were arguments or where Autumn did speak out, I think it was less about a confidence thing and more about, okay, I've just, I've had enough now. <laughs> can I just be myself and can I answer back? And there were some things in relation, certain relationships, you know, that me and Katori spoke about where we were like, you know, would Autumn pipe up now? Is this too many times that this has been said to her? Because, you know, there's only so many times uh, Mercedes can throw a little dig or Uncle Clifford can say a million names instead of, you know, Autumn or Hayley. Um, and and Autumn does nothing about it. So, you know, I, I think over time I got to figure out, okay, how would this make me feel and what can I contribute to Autumn um, later on down the line when she is like, okay, guys, this is me and this is how I feel. And I think... Again, this is why we have such a shock this season because everyone's seen Autumn finally open her mouth and she's just, she just feels like a completely different person. And the relationship with Mercedes has been such a great space to see so many different sides of, of her develop within that dynamic. You know, when she first came into the club, that was kind of the biggest antagonistic person to her. Yeah. And, you know, everything really shifted that moment where she showed up you know where autumn showed up for her when she needed to be bailed out and i love the way that the two of you have have kind of always played into like the truthfulness but also the complexity of that relationship where even now it's well we used to both be dancers at the club and mercedes was kind of the most well-revered one and now autumn's her boss and what does that do within the dynamic as they're living together um and so how do you kind of go script by script in and kind of find those new spaces that you're always getting the opportunity to mindful both within your character and what that looks like within that relationship dynamic specifically I mean Katori's writing is like it's so in-depth like every script feels like a, a book almost like you know <clears throat> it's something again that you can go back to and find little moments and you're like oh, okay this is how she felt about this oh, I remember that so seeing how the relationship between Autumn and Mercedes has grown has been really nice for me and I just want them to be best friends but it never works out like that um but you know it, it's complicated because there are those <clears throat> Autumn came forward for Mercedes but it was with a struggle because she's on a mission and she's you know toying with this this family this place that she feels comfortable this friend Mercedes who they're actually very similar and you can see that at certain moments when they do come together, it's so nice um, and it feels very authentic. And then because of that, I guess they they uh, bash heads quite a lot. Um, but that growth between the two of them has been really nice to watch. And unfortunately, you know, it doesn't stay like that. But again, that complex relationship, the issues that they've had growing up, the relationships that they've had so, so similar with you know how they've been treated, how they love, how they've been cared for, um, you can just you can just see it's way more than the little com- the little um, arguments that they have or the the blown up in the house. Um, I always try to make clear that actually everyone everyone keeps saying, oh, what well, you know, why is Autumn living with a Mercedes? I thought she had all this money. Well, this is a really sweet thing because Mercedes has this room that is for her daughter and it's precious and it's this space that she cares about so much. And she's allowed Autumn to come and stay with her and live in that space. It's so nice. And so they do have this really tight bond um, and again, up and down. So it doesn't stay like that. Um, Yeah, and some of the up and down that comes in, in the relationship dynamics for Autumn this season as well also come from 
she's being driven by different priorities before it was kind of just this self-preservation, just get through the day. And now there's so much on the line in terms of the success of the club monetarily, what that means. And especially mm-hmm. with the fact that the show is addressing what does that look like at the beginning of the 2020 pandemic for, mm-hmm. for a club and, and for all these women. Um, and so how have you felt that that's also altered and and influenced some of the dynamics and some of the interactions because there are moments where she's making choices that are more driven by that than the personal interactions because it's about the business first at certain times yes well autumn's got her business hat on this season and it's nice because I can finally give you know the the audience something a, a more like because that's where she felt most comfortable you know, Autumn's lived a whole life where she was, and she worked with, you know, people who were very important. And now it's like, her oh, I'm here, look at me. And then there's the priority of making things work, of, of, you know, looking at the figures, making the best that she can for the pink and what's, you know, what's ahead. It doesn't look very good. So let's think about money. And again, her priority is, finding the money to move forward to uh continue the promise that she made to her daughter which was to to get everything together to do the best she can to create a new life for herself and to move forward so that her daughter's death isn't in vain which again you know is kind of silly because at the same time she's found a space where people actually care about her and she can build um but right now she's toying with the with with the two things but in the center of that, here's a space that she can actually help. She can make sure everybody gets the money that they need, but she's not thinking about what the pink actually means to them and what it means to Uncle Clifford and how she has had that in her family for years and years and years and years. So priorities are a bit wobbly. Um, and then that causes these are uh, very blown up conversations. Yeah, you know, and also with the fact there that you're you're bringing up the the relationship to her daughter and obviously her daughter's passing, mm-hmm. Autumn's a character who throughout the show has carried so much trauma and so much pain in different ways. And obviously with, with certain resolutions towards the end of the first season, that doesn't make any of that go away. It's just an ever-evolving relationship that she has with it. So when you were looking at stepping back into her as a character in season two and looking at the spaces that the scripts were starting to take her, how did you kind of reassess and look at, okay, here's everything that she went through with all of this trauma and this PTSD in season one, and where does this kind of carry her to and what her relationship's going to be like it with this, with season two? It was kind of looking at, how the relationship had changed just through like dialogue and script, how it had changed with everybody. Cause it does, you know, on a professional level with Andre, it's less about, you know, the, the sexy conversation and more about, okay, this is, I own a business now let's, let's talk seriously. Um, so there's that with him and then with Clifford and Mercedes and even Miss Mississippi, those changing relationships are there, they're on the page, and I know there's something that I have to put across, but how do I then also have this, this, you know, driving force of, okay, this is all me moving forward and making things work for my daughter that I lost, and keeping that sadness, you know, down, but having it be there, and also, you know, be the kind of inspiration to keep moving forward, because there are moments where Orton wants to give up, because it's a lot, 
know, your friends and then with them and nobody you know wants to be cool with you or no one wants to listen to you and so in those moments of like having to put a bright face on in the quiet times what does autumn think about and where does her mind go and how does she really feel so again it's it's the same as you know first season in the sense that, that there was lots of silence um in the space of everybody else but now there's silence in the space by herself and 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 i just wanted to look at you know, what was the conversation with Autumn herself in those moments? And I think that helped moving forward with certain conversations, you know, even the moments, the quiet moments with Mercedes, where it's like, you know, we know I, we have the same thing. We've kind of lost a child and we, we understand each other. And I think that's, that's mostly where I found that it felt strongest were the, were the moments with Mercedes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're also bringing up there the the dynamic with Andre, and I love the fact that that both of you in playing these characters describe there being a real element of them being soulmates for one another, even though you know where they are in life doesn't line up at any point, at least mm-hmm. up until now in the show. Um, was that something that you you kind of felt and found very early on in the scripts and where you saw the the dynamic in the conversation? Because right from the very beginning, it's always felt like even when she's not telling him something, that he's always the person that she wants to be able to say something to. Yeah, exactly. She did. Like that, like there was no one else to speak to early on. Who who can I just, you know, like if you have a secret, you just you just really want to tell just one person, just one person. And she does. The first conversation she has with him, she tells him her name. And it's like, that's number one no-no. Like, don't do that. You, you've blown your cover already. You've been here for five minutes. Um, but there's that, that magnetic thing between the two of them. She's drawn to him and he is drawn to her. And like you said, like, you know, their lives haven't matched up, I guess, until now. He's in a different place in his life and she is also. Um, and that kind of question of, is it going to happen? Will they be together and run off into the sunset? you know my answer to that has been look these guys really are soulmates like I feel it you know but you can in my world have more than one soulmate and this is just someone that she's met at a certain time and you just don't really know but they'll always have that thing between them yeah and with the fact now that you've kind of gone through two seasons of of playing this character what's kind of the breadth and depth that you feel that you have with this character at, at this point from the fact that you've gotten to play her so much spend so much time living in her and especially because you know like you said earlier you've gotten to play so many different dynamics of her at this point with with the different storylines I, I will be honest and say getting season two script I mean, I knew she was a boss, but I didn't know she was that much of a boss. So it did, you know, I played her a certain way first season and then this season, it almost felt like I got a new character, which was really fun, quite challenging. Um, but that's what you want. And that's that's why I love this job because things are always evolving and you're always telling different kinds of stories. And I really had that with her. So I think the time I've spent in her shoes and in her space and seeing these two different sides, I think, you know, Katori could really throw anything at me when it comes to her, because I, that's what happens. You get so involved with the character and you put, you know, you lend some of yourself to them. And so you always have something to refer to, like, how would I deal with it? Maybe Autumn would do this, but because she's been through this, she'll change, you know, this bit will be a bit different. Um, so the challenge, I'm, I'm always accepting a challenge when it comes to, you know, changing paths and journeys. And she is constantly doing this, you'll see. 
nightmare. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see all of that, you know, and, and the fact that she is a character that that's always kind of showing these new sides and that there is always that, that little bit of mystique as well, I think is, is why she's such a fascinating character to get to watch on screen as an audience member. So I really appreciate you talking all about it. Thanks so much. Thank, you. Thank you so much.